Good morning, you all good? Good. I love, well, all the words in the song, but I love the statement that um, here in the power of Christ I stand. And, you know, that's available to all of us. The question, of course, is do we? And um, probably um, what I'm going to talk about this morning hopefully will help us do that. It will be important, in fact, even in preparing the message. There's some funny things. Now, I'm not talking about sin necessarily, but even bad habits. You know, you some things start happening again and again, and you don't grab hold of it, and very quickly it can become a bad habit. And it's always so much easier if we grab it right at the start and before anything develops out of it. So uh, this Christian journey is not easy, guys. And I think, of course, we want everybody to come to know Jesus as their personal saviour and experience the life. But it's not an easy life. And we do people a disservice if we tell them that it is. And um, I've noticed after being at it a few years of many of you do I know a lot of people that have dropped out and have dropped away they may not have forsaken the Lord but they've dropped out of the system they've dropped out of the discipline they've dropped out of so many of those things and for all of us it's easy to get discouraged at times and if we allow, allow that to fuel, we start getting cynical and then being cynical can turn into getting bitter and then we're in a whole line of thinking, a whole line of conversation that if we don't arrest it very early in the piece, um, it can really start to get us down. And so uh, it's, it's all it's important that we realize what the full journey of being a disciple of Christ is and embrace it all. And um, Paul taught us in Romans 5, not only to expect difficult times, but to recognize this is part of our calling, it's part of the Christian journey, and it's part of our training. Some of those difficult times we face are brought about by God to refine us to make us more like him. And Paul talks about how he buffeted and disciplined himself to stay in the game and achieve all that God had intended for his life. And many things in my life and your life have worked out different than we expected, different than we thought, maybe different than we have planned. Many of us face that journey, but there are some keys that we need to apply that will bring us or maintain us or hold us into faith as we go through these things. And Peter had obviously ex uh, experienced many of the same things and he gave us some wonderful keys to hang in there to stay the course, which is the um, uh, topic that I'm speaking on this morning and things that will be helpful. So that's what I want to share. So we're going to look at the verses from 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11 this morning. So it starts off in verse 6 and it says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. We need to understand, guys, what is our role in this? We humble ourselves. That's our role. 
Full stop. What is God's role in this? He exalts us. When does he exalt us? At the proper time. So the job that we have been given in our lives is to maintain a reasonable assessment of who we are. Now, Paul teaches us a lot in Corinthians. He's not saying, think lowly of yourself. Because if we do that, ultimately we despise God because of the way he made us, because of the life journey he put us in, because of the family, the country, the culture, whatever other points. So if we think poorly of ourselves, we're despising God. But if we think too highly of ourselves, pride gets in and we are not giving God the glory for what he has been able to produce in us. So it's important, as Paul says, don't think too lowly of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. Maintain a reasonable view and perspective as to who you are. And this is really important. But here's the point that I want to make out of this verse this morning. The Christian life is not about being promoted or being great. Now, a few people, a small handful of people in the Christian world today get a lot of airplay. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't mean they're the superheroes. We are going to be shocked when we get before the Lord at the end of this age at some of the things people have done that we've never heard of, we know nothing about, we're never going to meet them. It could be somebody that locks themselves in a closet to pray. It could be somebody that goes out on the streets every day and just serves people and they never ever get their name and lights. And their rewards in heaven are going to be great. They really are. So it's important that we realize our calling is not about being promoted or being great. It's about faithfulness and obedience with all that God has given us. I've, you hear me, hear me say this all the time. Two key principles of the kingdom of God, faithfulness and obedience. They're the two key principles. So... <clears throat> Our only, this means our only means of promotion and our only person we compete with in this life is ourselves. The only person I need to compete with is myself to say, Bruce, you can do better next time. You can get somewhere better. You can do something different. So I'm competing with myself. I don't have to compete with any of you because Ephesians 2.10 says, we each have an individual and a unique calling. And it's important that we understand that. And that's all we're buffeting and, and beating ourselves up, not quite the right term, but what Paul is saying, to make sure I achieve that calling and that's all I need to worry about. And this will be the basis of our eternal rewards when we stand before the Lord. He is going to say, how were you faithful and obedient to what I called you to and what I gave you to steward? I love talking to particularly husbands about the story at the end of the age when we stand before God. This is a great thing for husbands to think about. He is not going to say, how did you treat your wife? He's going to say, how did you treat my daughter? That's got a bit more power in it, guys. That's got a little bit more, you better come up with a good answer. 
I have a daughter and a son. I am interested in the way my son-in-law treats my daughter. Now, he's wonderful to her, absolutely wonderful. But I have an interest or a stake in how my son-in-law treats my daughter because she's my daughter. So that's a question all you husbands have coming up at the end of the age. So um, start building a good answer to it now. That's the best advice I can give you and ask your wives how you're doing. <clears throat> okay, um, Barney Coombs, dear Barney, who passed away, went to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. I got a call. I was overseas and I got a call saying, hey, Barney um, has gone to be with the Lord. Many of us here, I know it was announced here, had faithful memories of him. Barney used to make the statement. In fact, Barney had so much wisdom and so many amazing statements. How many of you have been here for the years when Barney came in and preached and taught you? Yeah, there's a big number of you. He used to make the statement, which I love. He had these, he was a policeman. Um, before, as a Christian, he was a policeman before he came into, uh, picked up the whole area of ministry and everything like that. And you could always see Barney as a policeman. He always carried it with him. But he used to make the statement, if you're in line for a promotion at work and you miss out on it and you're all bitter and twisted about it, the decision was probably Right. You guys, who remembers Barney sharing that? Yeah, there's a few hands going up. You got it. This is a sort of statement. You got to go for a walk and let that process itself a little bit, because you were expecting promotion and you're disappointed about it. When the scriptures say God's the one who promotes and who doesn't, so it was Him who decided you didn't need a promotion, and we need to accept that in Christ. He's allowing us to stay at the level in any given point of time that he wants us. Important statement. <clears throat> Let's move on. Verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is a tough call. And um, anxiety is an issue on and off for my life that's been a huge challenge. And I have learned a lot of ways to uh, manage it also with the wonderful help of medication in my life, which uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I refused at times to ever take it. And uh, now I realize that that was a misfounded view. But anxiety is something that I am very susceptible to. And I have learned to put some things in my life that help. But one of the most difficult issues that I face is I have to book travel and ministry several months, sometimes 12 months. A lot of the invitations for the following year come in in October, that standard procedure everywhere, um, for several months in advance. And I have no idea what will be going on in my life at the time that I've got to go get on the plane and go to those places. Now, at the time you get it, you're feeling great. And then three months later, all sorts of things are happening. You think, man, I wish I wasn't going. And what we've got to realize is that we cannot order the events of our world to suit what we consider to be convenient times for problems. They come regardless. 
We can't order God. Don't bother me right now. I've got a bit too much on. So don't bother me right now. And if you want to deal with something or bring me to a greater place of maturity, do it in three months time. Right now, I'm just too busy. So I was in Colorado and uh, Dennis Peacock and myself had put together a leaders meeting and we, we uh, organised it 12 months in advance to get the key leaders we wanted to speak to in at that time. So that's all booked and set and um, we gave them great expectations and promised them it would be a great time uh, and it was, it was fantastic. So I'm coming out to speak at the first keynote session and half an hour before I'm due to speak, I, I get called and said, Bruce, you need to come through to the desk. There's an urgent phone call for you. That's a horrible journey because back in those days, we didn't have cell phones and it was always no news was good news. If I didn't hear from home, everything's going great. It was so expensive that I used to ring home once a week just for 10 minutes, say to my wife, how are you, how are the kids, what's happening, thank you, goodbye, and that normally cost about 15 bucks. Um, and, and that was the way the world lived. So I go to the phone and I pick it up and my wife says, oh, look, our son was at uni, uh, it was time for a break, he was about to get on a plane and fly home and she said he's collapsed in his room and they don't know what's wrong with him. Now, as it turned out, he had glandular fever, which is a horrible sickness, but not life-threatening. But we don't, I don't know any of this at the time. So I'm asking questions, and she's saying, I'm sorry, I don't know. I, we haven't got that information. They're getting doctors to his room. I don't know. I can't give you any more information. So <clears throat> here I am about to go on stage with this message but here's the wonderful part of the story, or the best part was that he was fine and got home and recovered. You know what? I was stuck, but here's what I knew I could do, other than pray. I could make a phone call to somebody who'd walked with me forever in my Christian journey, to somebody who was here and was faithful and was good. And it was Paul Jackson, who was a pastor here for 25 years. So I ring Paul. And I just say to him, Paul, here's what's happened. And his comment to me was, Bruce, I've got this and I've got your back and I'm going to do exactly here what you would have done if you were home now, go and preach. And it was phenomenal to have somebody to do that. So <clears throat> he got organised. He contacted the uni, Waikato Uni. He organised another plane flight. He got Carl down here. He met Carl uh, with my wife in the airport, brought him home, got him established. Just amazing. And don't ever speak against community, guys. Don't ever speak against community to be able to put somebody in exactly the same role that I would have done or maybe even better because I would have been caught with the emotion and to see everything just fall into place. And I did go and preach and it went fine. So the point is it's inevitable that we're going to get confronted with all sorts of issues of life at what we think are the most inconvenient or inopportune times. And we're going to cry out to God, Lord, I just don't need this hassle right now. I laugh because there, it would probably run into the millions how many times God's heard me say that. 
I just don't need this hassle right now. However, the power of who Christ is is more than equal to anything we will ever face in life. The power of who the Holy Spirit is living within your life is more than equal than anything you'll ever face in life. One of my favorite scriptures, 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Now this may seem to totally contradict our lives at certain times, but after a lot of years on this journey now, I can look back and say amen to that scripture. I may not be able to say it when I'm in the middle of it, but I can look back at the end and say amen to that scripture. And Psalm 55, 22, here's the key. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. So in every situation we ever face, God's saying, I've got this. I've got this. You might be struggling right now and confused and all that, but I've got this. Hang in with me. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Hang in with me. I'll get you through this. I knew it was coming before your life even began. I know this solution. I know what you need and I'll get you there. But you've got to, part, you've got to place the burden on me. You've got to give it to me. We all worry about things and worrying about some things is important. It's a tool. But the minute it goes into anxiety and into other areas, God's saying, hey, give the burden to me. This hasn't caught me by surprise. I've got it. I've got it for you. But you've got to give it to me and he will sustain us. So whatever you may be walking through, Make sure you get up in enough time each morning to pray and to seek his guidance and anointing and place your concerns on his shoulders. Even if you don't feel like it because it's such a dark place, get up in the morning and at least say to him, help. That might be all you can pray, but let your heart cry out to him, help me. Winston Churchill makes it, I know it's a very secular statement, but he says this, said this, if you're walking through hell, keep going, don't stop. <laughs> it's good advice because from God's perspective, I'll get you out the other side. I'll get you there, but don't stop here. Don't drop into depression and woe is me and self-pity and alcohol and whatever else. Don't, don't stay here. Keep going. I'll get you there. Keep going. So verse 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like, important word, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This is reality for you and I, reality. So we've got to learn to deal with the enemy. If we discern that it is him who is attacking us, the battle should be over quickly, which we'll get to in a minute. But in order to do this effectively, we must take hold of our thought life. As Paul is saying, we must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And here's something that I have learned about myself. 
things get into my thoughts that sometimes I can allow. So it's not just taking them captive when they're there. The other issue is don't feed yourself on things that will get into your mind and repeat over and over again. Linda and I were driving this morning here and I had the radio on and Linda said, can you turn that off please? I don't like that song. And if I keep listening to it, it'll start repeating in my head over and over again because it had a fairly catchy tune. How many of you, so you know it's just not Linda and me, uh, get the song going over? You may love the song, but it keeps going over in your head. That's very normal behaviour, by the way. Let me just tell you that. But the issue is it got to us because we allowed, we exposed ourselves to it. Now, in this case, there's nothing wrong with it. But there's a whole lot of stuff on TV there's a whole lot of stuff on social media. There's a whole lot of stuff and comments that come from some people that we're better off not to associate with, that if we allow it, it gets into our head. And then if we don't take those thoughts captive, they begin to produce something in us which is not to the glory of God. I really guard, every now and again I slip up and have to deal with it, but I guard what I watch. I guard who I listen to. I guard what I think about. Because otherwise these things start to take root. And our fallen nature loves to be entertained by ungodly things. It does. Maybe different for you, maybe different for males or females, but our fallen nature calls for things that are ungodly and will break us down. And we need to deal with that right at the point at the time because the longer we leave it, the harder it gets. We need to switch off the mental movies. This is a tough one. So-and-so upset me. I can't believe he said this. He should have, I should have. If he does, when I next see him, he said this. And this thing goes on and on and on. And at some point, we need to make a resolve. Are we going to see that person? Are we just going to pray for them? Whatever we're going to do, and then stop it. Because it, it conceives into something. It gives birth to something, which in that case would be the root of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. And we need to address, I need to address this thing, make a plan, then leave it until the first chance you've got to address it. Leave it. Go and read something else or look at something else or do something else. Because it becomes very destructive and Satan's a master at playing on our fears, playing on the things that disturb us. When he senses that we're struggling with fear or anxiety, he starts running all the worst scenarios through our thinking. And if we give energy to that, we're in big trouble. We really are. So it's important we grasp this. And it's important we don't empower him by cooperating with him. And it's important that we empower the nature and character of Christ in our lives by cooperating with him. Here in the power of Christ I stand. So, um, sorry, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is forced, formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, if you read this with me, I'm sure it's on the screen, who does it say will condemn it? Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. You 
will condemn. Does God condemn it? No, he says you need to condemn it. This is the heritage of servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. So God says he will not condemn the thoughts. He will not condemn the attacks of the enemy. We need to do that. Here in Christ I stand. He has empowered us to deal with the enemy. And when we use his name, he invokes the power. We've talked about that here before. God has empowered us to fight the battle. He says we have to pull down speculations and everything raised up against the knowledge of Christ. He says we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There are so many things, brothers and sisters, that we have to do as his sons and daughters to walk in freedom. And often we are calling on God to come and do this and God's saying, I've empowered you to do it. I'm not going to do it for you. You have to do it or all you'll ever be is a little baby. You'll never be mature in the things I've called you up to. And he needs that maturity. And the more maturity we develop, the more fruitful we can be for him and the more he can trust us with. That's why he's saying, when you prove yourself faithful with little, I'll give you more. Not until you've proved yourself faithful and what I've already given you. That's a task we have to do. So important. God gives us the overcoming power. He promises he will always lead us in triumph. He's the empowerer, but we're the army. We're his bride. We're sent out to fight this battle on planet Earth, guys, you and I. We're empowered, we're provisioned, and we're led by the Holy Spirit, but we're set out there. And there's a whole lot of things that God's not going to come and do. We can fast and pray all we like because he's empowered us to do them. Verse 9. But resist him, that is the devil, of course. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So again, here's a response that is required from us. And there's two key things that we need to see in this verse. The first one we've covered, we resist the enemy and don't allow him to impose anything on us. But the second thing is there are trials and struggles and issues which God allows to bring things out in our character and he wants us to discern that it's him, it's not the enemy, so we can then go to the gym and start cooperating with him and whatever it is he's trying to work us through. This is so important if we want to get there. If it's from the enemy, we rebuke it in Jesus' name and we should deal with it simply. We may go to others for prayer. We may seek bondages to be broken in our life, but we rebuke it. If it comes from God, guys, we have to embrace it. I'm sorry about that. I'm not sorry for you. I'm sorry for me. I'm sorry about that. But if it comes from God, he says, Bruce, you can rebuke this one all you like, but it's not going to go away because it's from me. And I am not going to let you go until this produces something in you, which is what he calls an eternal weight of glory. 
thank you, Lord, for not letting me go the times I have begged you to when it has been you producing something in me that I now carry which will have the eternal weight of glory to it. Aren't you pleased about that? Now, getting there wasn't pretty, guys. And God had to drag me kicking and screaming sometimes, but drag me he did because underneath it all, he knew I would be so pleased with what I would have out the other side of it. Tough job for him. Tough job for him. Because at times we just can't understand it. And he just says, well, trust me. Trust me. See, Paul says in Philippians, not only that if we're going to share in the life of Christ, we're going to share in his sufferings, Paul says this in, in verse 310, that he wants to participate in all the things that Christ suffered. He's a great guy. I don't. I don't. I don't pray that. If you pray that, God bless you. You're a, an amazing disciple. I take my hat off to you. I don't pray that. I've never prayed that in my life. But what I do pray is, Father, help me trust you in every circumstance. Help me have discernment to see what you're doing and how I can cooperate. Because this is what I know, guys. And here's where I stand. He is a loving caring, faithful God who only means what is for my best for me. At any time. He doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't wake up grumpy. He doesn't get intolerant of me for some of the things that everybody else gets intolerant about. Never. He's always for my best. He reached in and called me into his life where I deserved an eternity in hell. That's a good God, guys. That's an amazing father. And that's where I stand. Take everything else away from me. And please don't, but I will still stand here in Christ believing he's a good God and knowing I want to spend the rest of eternity with him. Verse 10, after you have suffered for a little while, this is where this gets good, guys. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, thank you, Jesus, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What more can we ask for? Honestly, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ as if that wasn't enough, guys. He will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish us. So here's the wonderful end result. This is what we get. It is God who is calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It is God who is changing us from one degree of glory to another. You are different than you were five years ago. Something beautiful has been built in you. You keep walking with God, you'll be different again in another five years. More beautiful things have been built in you that reflect the nature and character of Christ. 
we are established in Christ. We don't do this in our own strength, but Christ does not do all of it for us. It's a partnership. We need to learn what he does and what we do and then go about our business in that way. Okay, I think I'm going to go down here. I want to give you four points that will help. Now, there's probably 54 or 104 or 4 million, but I just have four for you today that help me. Point number one, I'm sorry I didn't put this up on the transparency. Uh, it's not called that anymore, by the way. <laughs> That's going back a lot of years. Do you guys remember we had that great big thing in the front with a light on it and we'd put the paper and it had to be special paper down on it. We'd come back on the screen. Okay, well, in case some of you haven't noticed, there's a projector up here somewhere and it flicks it up there now and Luke does it all at the back working hard and does an amazing job. Thank you, Luke. God bless you. All right, so it's up on the screen anyway. It's not up on the screen, so don't bother looking. First point, guys, get with God. Get with God. We cannot do this in our own strength. We must develop a relationship with God. And this means spending time with Him, worshipping Him, praying praying to him, reading his word, fellowshipping with the saints so we can be encouraged and edified and built up and we can do the same with them. Get with God. I hope you don't just worship here on a Sunday morning. I hope you're a worshiper. I hope worship's flowing out of your heart regularly throughout your whole life. Second point. This one's helped me so much. Second point is this, remember the prophetic words in your life. I have some key prophetic words that I have written down in a book. Now I've been around for a while, so there's quite a few of them. But every year I read them. Now, here's the benefit. They are a guy. I know which ones are really from God, and some of them have been confirmed two or three times in totally unrelated circumstances. So some of them I know I can really base my life's journey on them. Here's what encourages me. Firstly, they're a good guideline of where you're going. Make sure you haven't dropped out of it. Many of you know my story. God has said to me so many times very powerfully, you're a Caleb, not a Joshua. One of your roles in life is always to find Joshuas to work with. That's been a guiding word for me for 30 years. For 30 years, never, except in extreme circumstances temporarily, never take the number one position. And here's the amazing thing. I don't enjoy the number one position. I don't enjoy it one bit. I love being in the number two position. So that's a key prophetic word. But here's the other thing that encouraged me. A number of prophetic words in my life have already been fulfilled, and I go, wow. God, you really are planning my life. You really are making these happen. I was told in 1981, stood up, not in this place here, but stood up in this church when Steve Hepton came down from England. Many of you will remember, a phenomenal prophet. Stood up in this church in 1981 with a message, you're going to take the message of the kingdom of God out into the world. It never started until 1992. That's 11 years later. 
Six months later, I received instructions, another prophetic word from Tom Marshall. Many of you remember Tom stood me up again in a meeting and said, you have a call on your life, but it's not for quite a way away. No time was given. Here's what I would have you do in the meantime and gave me the instructions. Amazing. Amazing time taking me through. I had plenty of times in the 80s, this is never going to happen. This is rubbish. This isn't of God. And I had a ton of things to do here and what I was doing. And it began to break open in 1987 and it began to develop in 1992. And, and off and on for the 30 years, it's been up to six months of, a, of each year in that period of time. But it all came out of some key prophetic words. If your heart stirs to, stirs to bring a word for people, go and give it to them. Let them weigh it. Before you go, realize God's never going to speak through you a condemning, down-pulling, shattering word for anybody. It's got to be a word of edification. The scriptures say that. That's how we who receive the word, that's how we um, filter it. So he's never going to say that. The other thing is I want to say this, although sometimes it happens. Be very, very careful before you prophesy the future to somebody. Because the main role of the prophet, Old Testament and New Testament, is to reveal to people where God is working in their life currently. That's the main role. Now, there are times and there are prophetic words and there are certainly some Old Testament prophets that were given huge insight. Obviously, to the coming of a Messiah one day was prophesied right throughout the Old Testament. So that does happen and that does work. But be very, very careful in you receiving prophecy and um, giving prophecy if it's starting to outline the future because, guys, unless we know it's from the Holy Spirit, we are one step away from witchcraft. So important that we understand that. So just be careful, but let the person weigh it. And so prophetic words often give us our passions and our desires. Often they release us into whatever it is that God's called us to do. Now here's a big thing and remember this. God is not normally going to send you anywhere that you'd hate to go and make you do things that you'd hate to do. Sometimes he does, but that's not common. That's not who he is. Why would he create you for something and give you something totally contrary for that that you hate doing or you're fearful of or whatever? It would just be crazy and he doesn't do it. So remember that. But they help you realise um, you, where you're going and confirm, and then sometimes just assure you that you're on the right track. Third point, recognize the dreams in your heart. Psalm 37, I love Psalm 37. God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if those desires need redeeming, don't expect God to give them to you. In fact, thank him he won't, but he'll remove them and he'll sanctify you. But God's desire is to give you the desires of your heart because God put the key ones there himself so that you could fulfill them. God gives us our passions and desires. Realize who you are. Realize what you're passionate about. 
And there's two of the foundation stones you have for most of what you will do in your life and most of the direction you'll go. Is it something you're passionate? Now, I'm not really passionate about doing the dishes. So faithfulness and obedience does come into it. But in a general sense of your big pictures of life, the worlds make these sayings, they stole it from the kingdom of God. Hang on to your dreams. Feel free to dream in Christ. Feel free. Your father owns the whole world. Feel free to dream. Package your dreams up. Get a, get a measure and make sure they're redeemed and then take them before the Lord and use them as the basis of your prayer life. You will be amazed what will happen. I have been on this journey with so many of you and I've seen your dreams happen. I've been with you and you've been with me as these things have happened. Amazing thing. Just keep them redeemed. Final point, and we're going to finish. God has you right where you are now for a reason. So the point is this, don't ignore where you are. God has you right where you are now for a reason. And this is where you are meant to be today. It's what you are meant to be doing today. Embrace it. If it's not a long-term thing, in God's time, he knows where you live. He'll come and knock on your door and say, we're doing something different now. We're going somewhere different now. We're doing something new now. In the meantime, you are where you are because God would have you there. You're with the people you're with because God would have you there. You're working through the issues you're working through because God can see a beautiful end for you if you process this. Don't ignore where you are. Here's one of my biggest key weaknesses that I have worked on so much in my life. I'm constantly working and living and planning for the future. And we can miss so much that's around us in the present. We really can. If I just sit around relaxing for a while, I'm better now. I used to think, what a waste of time. I could have done this, 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 and this. And all we do ultimately is burn ourselves out, get grumpy, get irritable, because we're not designed to do that. So plan for the future, but appreciate where you are right now and see the joy of the Lord in the midst of all of that. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for your calling. We thank you for the instructions that you have given us to help us stand in Christ in every situation. Lord, most of all, we declare again today what a wonderful, incredible, loving Father you are, the God of all grace, all peace, all justice. Father, it is a joy to know you. It is a joy to walk with you. It is a joy to understand that you have a plan and a purpose for all of our lives. Help us make the most of every day that brings glory to you and touches the lives around and about us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.